morning. So good to be back in Texas. It's where I, I learned to talk, you know, and uh, everybody knows that something's different when I uh, speak in Alaska. I have a distinctive voice, and they all, oh, you're Brenda, you know, and uh, because of this wonderful Texas accent. You know, I grew up in Caldwell, Texas, and went to Texas A&M University, played volleyball there, got saved there as a freshman athlete, and uh, it's uh, and, and it's been a wild ride ever since. I, I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, as soon as I got saved, my hair's been blown back ever since. You know, and it's been a wild ride. You better strap yourself in because uh, when you follow the Lord, it's going to be an adventure. It's just going to be an amazing adventure. And uh, I always had a little uh, a, a love for adventure and adrenaline. You know, back, if you're an athlete, you like a little bit of adrenaline. And so I've been having a, some of the, many of those needs are met as I uh, go into the, the wild places in Alaska. And um, I went there on a mission trip in 2005. And, uh, and then six months later, I was working there as a campus minister, Baptist Student Union director. And, uh, and so that's how I started. And I started hosting churches on mission trips. And then 2009, I was the Annie Armstrong girl. And they, uh, they showed my videos, like this Iditarod outreach that I started was featured, and uh, they sent that same video. You get to choose which video of the, the missionaries that you get to you know, high profile on these media screens. And in 2009, because I, there was this crazy lady on a snowmobile riding across the frozen Bering Sea with a sled full of Bibles and buckets behind her, that's the one they chose instead of the bald-headed guys with bow ties on sitting around a conference table. That's, that's your options, usually, of your mission videos. And so they chose the wild, crazy girl on a snowmobile, and about 20,000 churches showed my video the same day. And um, they also put me in the mission magazines, and they asked me about a, a mission action project one day. They called me up and said, Brenda, we want to put you a mission action project together. And I said, well, what in the world is a mission action project? They said, well, that's where we gather things in these Sunday school classes and GAs and ACTEENS and RAs, and we mail them to you. I said, oh, so it needs to be something small because freight to Alaska is very expensive. And so I thought, maybe, you know, I'm out at the Iditarod. It's cold in Alaska. We need chapstick, you know. So send me some chapstick. And that's what got into those articles. I had no idea how far-reaching those articles would go. And two weeks after those articles hit the mailboxes, I got 15,000 tubes of chapstick in little envelopes in my living room, you know. And so I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, what am I going to do? Because all of them wanted me to write them back. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. I don't even have a secretary. I just have my living room and my kitchen table for my office in Alaska. And so I realized that right then I need to get in front of that wave of missions involvement. People wanted to be, come to Alaska on mission trips. And so I began to host and create team trips uh, where we would be, we'd get in the middle of Alaskan, the Alaskan public. And one of them was at the Iditarod, and you just saw a video from our outreach at the Iditarod. And we started that 17 years ago, and now we completely run the finish line of the Iditarod sled dog race. We have penetrated with leaders. We bring Christian leaders and involve ourselves in public events, and eventually they give it over to us. One way, reason is because we're persistent. We're always there. We're, we, you can depend on us. And then we bring leadership. And we bring order. When there's chaos, God is not the author of that. 
And Christianity naturally brings order to chaotic situations. So the Holy Spirit and a whole bunch of individuals go up there and plant themselves in the middle of chaos. It's really an event, all events pretty much. You have to, on your feet, continually organize. And so we have groups that we do that with. And and, uh, we've seen several people come to the Lord. God has given us a blessing. I want to kind of walk you through uh, some of our projects that we've done. And you're going to see a dichotomy of approaches. One approach is with the Alaska Native. And the Alaska Native, the indigenous people of Alaska, who were there since, they say, since Babel. God positioned them there since the beginning. And what a beautiful thought that God handpicked this people group to exist on icebergs and eat and thrive in a very harsh environment. They're some of my great heroes, the Alaska Natives. And they're, actually, they have my, my heart. And uh, I, would, I would give them anything. In, in one village, I'm known as Grandma or Mama Bear. And, uh, and so it's been amazing what God has done to bring me to that place in their lives because they typically have a lot of resentment to what colonialism has done to their land and their people. And I represent the colonialists. So God has broken down a lot of barriers, barriers there. And, uh, and to bring us to where we are today, after 17 years, it's been we have a gold mine on the ground, and it's the people of Alaska. So well, you'll hear something about how we reach them, and that's going to be completely different. They're only 15% of the population of our state as Alaska Native. The other 85% came with a plane ticket in hand. They moved there. And I'll speak generally about who that population is. That population is moving from a mess and running to a place where they're not known. And they are running away from something and they blame God. And so there's an antagonism toward God there. And when you mention Jesus, they might bristle at you. But you didn't, you know, that that can't be possibly what you did. It's something that already was there that you triggered. You triggered their anger. So I've had to learn how to reach out in the name of Christ in a hostile environment. And so if there's a, a unique way I've had to do that, but it's effective. We average see 200 people a year come to the Lord. But one year, we saw 700. And after that big sweep of evangelism, I realized we're going to have to disciple people. We're going to have to focus on a village and go deep with that village. That village is Stebbins, Alaska. It's what I go deep with. And not everybody's prepared to go with me out there because of the environment. And the environment is a spiritual one where shamanism still thrives, where there's open manifestations of evil out there. And so that's not ready for everybody. But there are other things there are. And how we break the ice with those who have run away from Lore 48 to come to Alaska to be in a place where they're anonymous and they, they live out their lives in their anonymity and unknown, being unknown to people. So I'm going to, how do you reach those guys? You serve them. And here's how we do it. And their statement's right there in front of you on the screen. I'm going to have you say it with me. We meet needs to break down walls, to bring people from apathy to curiosity, to find Christ irresistible. Because I believe that Jesus is irresistible. What he offers us is, is unbelievable. <laughs> how can you say no to what God offers us? He, redemption. He changes something new for something old and used and broken. 
gives us completely newness of what he offers. How can you say no unless you have a skewed view of him? Or what Christianity is about. So we need to give him a second look. And we need to be persistent about that second look. It needs to be consistent. So we find an event and we are there every time, every year. And we bring a different group of people that act just exactly the same way that group of people did last year. We do. We penetrate uh, different parts of our Alaska public events with the gospel of Christ. So I want to give you a little picture of that, what it means, how do you break, meet needs and break down walls. And one of the benefits of living in Alaska with this mantra, with this strategy statement, is that, man, nobody's doing anything up there. You can be the first. You can be the pioneer, even at this age. This date, you can be the first one that does anything. It was easy for me to get the domain name, Alaska Missions, because nobody did it before. AKMissions.com is our, AlaskaMissions.com. That's us, because nobody's doing it. So it's easy to be and rise quickly into a position of leadership by being present and consistent in Christ. So let's just give you a little window of what we're doing. Keep on scrolling through there, Donna. We have sports camps for kids. Christian sports camps. You know, I grew up in, you know, as an athlete, and that's, that's still being used today in these sports camps. 150 kids a week come to our sports camps. Their moms and dads would give them to, give them to me every week all summer if I had sports camps all week. And they, our camps are being filled up. It takes three days for our sports camps to be filled. They just got filled this week because we opened it this week. So we can disciple a whole generation of kids. And uh, that's, that's, that's something, if you love sports and children, it's not a Bible club, it's Bible school. It is a sports camp, and we, we also do teach scripture memory, and we teach themes uh, through the, the week as well. And we give them Bibles, sports Bibles, so their, their dads will read them. They have athletes' testimonies embedded in these Bibles, and they take these Bibles home and, and to their homes. And there's other projects. Find out what else we got there, Donna. we got some more stuff coming. June, that's, that's my, pretty much my next thing I'll do is, is our sports camps in June. Just finished the Iditarod, just now, in March. Looks like we might be stuck. There we go. Salmon frenzy. Anybody here like to fish? If you've eaten salmon, you probably did it in croquettes. You know, it was probably, uh, it's probably pink salmon. Well, pink salmon, we call that cat food, okay? We don't eat pink salmon. It's nasty. Ew. Feed it to your cat. Don't feed it to your husband. Put roll it up and you drown out the fish taste with you know because you we don't like that either. We go in here and, and uh, there's a thing that the fishing game allows Alaskan residents to do is to dip net salmon out of the mouth of the river. We're at the coast. You see the size of that net back there? Go back one, Donna. That net. It's a five foot radius net about a twenty to thirty foot pole. And the salmon come into the mouth of the river. They're sockeye salmon. They're about 20 bucks a pound. And so you're allowed, the head of the household gets 25. And for every other person in your home, there's 10 more fish. you got three kids and a wife. Wow, you get 25 plus 40 more. So 65 fish times 10 pounds. That's a lot of meat coming out of the, out of the river on that three weeks in July. So people take their vacations and come for the weekend to these certain beaches about five miles from my house. And they camp. So I'll bring a 450 volunteers for that. And we'll give away 20,000 hot dogs. 
because you, you know, there's a wonderful amount of, of food given out, and in Alaska, everybody overcharges it for everything, and when we give something away for free, they're shocked. And they ask, what are you doing that for? And I train our volunteers to say, to help you get your fish. No strings attached. And that shocks them. And they step up closer to you and they say, where are you from? You sound funny. I said, oh, I learned to talk in Texas. Well, come over here and sit down. We'll talk some more. And then eventually they start saying, well, my daughter's got a problem with heroin. I said, oh, no. My secretary's daughter had the same problem. Here's what we did. And I'll bring up a verse, and that's when I can plug in the gospel. After they open their hearts with a problem they bring up, because they will sense right away that we care about them. They just know somehow, because we actually do care about them. And so it's no, there's no hook in our, our gifts. There is an altruistic we give and serve. And we take care of their kids, because the kids are running crazy on the beach, nothing to do. We set up day camps with bounce houses and Bible clubs. And the first year we did this, they were kind of standoffish and scared. And uh, year after year, they knew us. The same people are there every year, the same weekend, and so are we. This is our 15th year to do this. And we plant crosses in the sand. People will gather around, around on Sunday afternoons and attend our service. And then we have a big tub, a big Rubbermaid tub, and we'll fill it with warm water and have baptisms right there on the beach. And, uh, and so we see people come to the Lord there, but mostly we get to minister. Those are interns. I bring college interns every summer. I work the dog out of them. If you've got a grandson or granddaughter that needs to learn how to work, you can bring them on. That's my neighborhood right there, uh, my neighbors. And uh, this is my front yard. Start that video, Donna, down there. This is what happens about mm, maybe August. I fertilize my grass. My boat, you can see my boat motor there in the corner. Uh, shot 10 bears, two moose, two, two lynx. Killed about 1,000 salmon so far. If I see another bear, I'm going to shoot it. Oh, that little video may not start, huh? All righty. Well, actually, it's a mama moose and a couple of babies kind of supposed to walk out of those woods. <laughs> if you have to advance it and can, it's not going to go, but... But uh, the lifestyle in Alaska, I certainly have, a, have a, a broken into it, love it, and embraced it. And it's part of being a missionary is that you embrace uh, the land. And never shot a, uh, an animal when I lived in Texas because that was kind of the guy thing to do. But in Alaska, it's how you shop for meat. And so I go shopping with a 30-06 Kimber and 180-grain lead in it. And, and uh, that's pretty much what I, I've shot two bears with a 44 Magnum pistol. But the rest of them was 30 alt 6 and uh, it's quite a fun. Maybe we'll just have to skip over the moose walking out of the woods and go to the next, next slide, and that looks like it's not going to buffer enough. Uh, find these mama and two calves coming out. And I actually could shoot those. I'm, I'm out between, there you go. They, they wound up sitting down there, and then they took a nap. You know, <laughs> they were tired. King Salmon. He's scrolling through. I think the next few pictures are just my life in Alaska. That's right by my house. That's my private fishing hole. I'm not going to tell you where that is. And uh, that's why. And uh, so a lot of fun living there. Uh, 
you know, just a, just a crazy, crazy, amazing life that I get to live there. And this is a, a big event uh, for, uh, and we just finished it, as you can see those dates. We just came off of that. We were the only ones allowed to be a part of that Iditarod this year. No other volunteers were allowed and no public were allowed at the finish line. We were the only people allowed to see the finish of the great Iditarod sled dog race this year because of our longtime uh, tenure with them. This right here is in Nome. Next year, come with me. I, this is, people are, are coming to Nome because there's bars and they'll fall asleep uh, drunk on the, on the streets. And we have a safety control at night and we save lives, literal lives, that night by calling the authorities to have them ushered to a safe place to sleep, and uh, otherwise they're going to die. Uh, this is a sled dog team about to take off on the race. They love it. And that's, that's what happens when you come home from the race, 1,000-mile race. You get to rest in a nice little dog bed. And they're happy animals. They're made for running. They're marathoners, and they love to run. And they're ready to run again. That's four of us. We rode that. I did a rod trail by snowmobile about in 2018. Had a blast, time of my life, and it was quite dangerous in <laughs> many times. 30 below, and uh, we were we slept out not outside sometimes. At the finish line of the Iditarod, we run a basketball concession stand, and we give donations to the women's shelter because uh, about a, we have 100% uh, uh, child abuse of the worst kind, ongoing, continuous uh, abuse that's happening, and then. Uh, mamas will run from their homes and come to the Nome Women's Shelter out of villages. And when we give them a $15,000 check, I ask them, what do they use for that money? And they say they buy one-way airline tickets, little bush plane tickets. And so the mamas can run for their lives and come to the Women's Shelter. And as a result of the Iditarod Outreach, other things spurred. Our native ministry broke open. And uh, I think that's what our next slide presentations are is, is our native ministry. Well, that's my ice fishing, my favorite fishing hole right there on, in the ice in the Arctic. It speaks for itself. It's mating season. It's a uh, big bull moose. And Roy Roth, my, the guy that taught me how to shoot bears, is a, probably the fourth largest bear in the world. That's my 50 caliber pistol. <laughs> and uh, that's my last grizzly bear that we shot in the Arctic. I shot in the Arctic. And it's sweet. And uh, just took a group of guys hunting for caribou. The guys that were a part of the church in Sutherland Springs that were shot up in uh, 2017, you probably heard about it, about 26 members of the church died on a Sunday morning. They're ministry partners of mine. And there's a ministry that we do called Freedom in Christ. It helps you recover from trauma. And they, I took the pastor and the man that uh, stopped the killing and a couple of other guys from that church on a hunting trip last September. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we of course, we got a bunch of, of a bunch of moose. I mean, caribou. So here's here's our bush ministry. This is kind of a change, you know, a, a shift. With natives, there is a respect for God. There is a knowledge of the spirit world, and when they also are very tuned, when they are have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they are tuned to Him. And there are hardly any masks that they put over their hearts like we learned in our, our non-native culture. We learned to hold a bunch of masks and pres present an image, but they don't do that. They're sincere and authentic. And uh, so it's a lot of fun to work with them in, in the inner healing ministry for helping their hearts uh, find out what is true instead of what lies they believe about God and lies that they believe about men and about themselves when they're broken in his childhood. Uh, we, uh, we have, I'm going to go back to that, that slide before, Donna. I, I, one year in 2017, we saw, I, I 
I heard rumblings that there's going to be a revival movement. And so um, I, I booked a plane and found the five others that I respect deeply on evangelism. And they're real creative evangelists. One of them sports, spins basketballs, and others music. And this other guy, he's just a great little preacher, and he's in Nupiak, Eskimo. And so I took them with us. And we landed in eight villages in January. It was 30 below outside. And people would pick us up on the airstrip. You know, we're on these skids on a plane, and they'd pick us up with for snowmobiles and ride, drive us into the town, and we'd sleep on the floor of the library in the school, and we'd have rallies at night, and the whole village would show up. And um, the first village was this village of 200. Sixty people gave their life to Christ. They ran when we had the invitation. They literally ran from the stands and threw themselves at our feet, weeping and asking God to change their lives. And then the next village, I, they were they were holding their their phones up. I thought they're filming all this, and then I saw them tagging. And I thought, oh, they're Facebooking all this stuff. I'm in Eskimo Facebook right now. And then I said, I made an announcement. Okay, tomorrow we're going to be in Noatak, and then Norvik, and then Shunnek, and Ambler, and then Stebbins, and Buckland. And they were tagging more. They're just vicious. They were really a, string, a, frenuous, a frenzy of like tagging. And so they tagged and tagged, and the next day we were in another village, and this village knew what we were, really knew what we were there for. And so these Eskimo men, they don't talk, but they have big nonverbal cues, and they were excited. They were rocking back and forth with big smiles when we were getting on their snow machines. They were excited about us being there, and they were welcoming, and there was a big pot of caribou stew waiting for us when we got to the gym. And that night, 90 people gave their lives across. Same video was going on. And then they went viral. They just kept pegging us and going viral in the next village, and it became a crescendo of an evangelistic revival movement. Never happened before in the history of this land. I'm so honored to be able to be a part of that so far. And so what do we do? Do I just book another plane and go to some more villages and rack up points? When there is no church in that village, there is no evangelistic discipling entity in that village, what do I do? I can't keep doing that. I can't keep racking up points. I have to figure out how to go in there and raise leadership and, and infuse discipleship into the people. So here's some of that. Let's just look at the next thing is. We'll kind of cruise this through this. So we gave out 350 study Bibles in, in Stebbins. And uh, this is a family. This lady right here lost the custody of her children because she had a baby on the streets in her sweatpants while she was drunk. She gave her life to Christ. And she's gone through our freedom ministry, and she's thriving now. These are, we have a women's conference every January. I asked them, when should we come out there and do a discipleship training? They said, coldest, darkest day of the year. I said, when is that? January 15th. I said, okay. So every year we're out there at Martin Luther King weekend, and we're having a women's conference, and I double-dog dare your women to come along because you will radically get changed yourself. So we, we were out there with Native women who are the toughest women on earth, most resilient. They've gone through everything known to man, and and uh, so there's the spirit of God in them is amazing, and uh, we have a we're we're trying to reach the young mothers. So we have a day camp 
kids' camp simultaneous with our women's conference so the young mamas can come, and that's our real target, is a 35-year-old Native woman to help her uh, recover. These are some of the converts during that rally that we went, that first evangelistic rally. That's in Noatak, Alaska, and the first boy out of the stands was a basketball captain, high school basketball captain, and the whole team followed him. And then all the young people came. And if... The, the older elders there were just weeping because they, they, were, they had no hope for their young people because they wouldn't go to church. He said, I know we know the feeling. They're afraid for their grandchildren because they weren't in church. And so they loved it when they saw the response to the gospel. This is my friend Tanya Crevier. She's one of my evangelist teams. And we do a spin show, and she breaks down the walls. And, and uh, we, we get to share Christ after that. We meet needs, break down walls, share the gospel. Let's keep on buzzing through that. This is a Stebbins. Uh, this little girl, when we, when we stay in Stebbins, the school uh, gives me the keys to the school apartment. The principal does. And this little girl stays with us to have a break from uh, abuse. And these girls know me as grandma. They're the basketball team in Stebbins. And, and uh, they're, all, they're all young ladies that we're pouring into. And some of those have been interns with our ministry. So we're trying to uh, give them a whole new uh, a honey leg up to to walk with God. There was an RSV, which is a really difficult lung virus, and every child is at risk out in those villages. There's no running water in her village. This lady, this girl, this young mama knows me as grandma, and that's my great grandchild. Um, and uh, it's little Kingston. He was 10 days old, and he had severe RSV, and his oxygen levels were, were at 84. And his mama calls me at 3 a.m. and says. His, his grandmother, his real grandmother, <laughs> calls me at 3 a.m. and says, um, they're not calling for a medevac. You know, you and I could take our grandchild into the emergency room. Well, they can't. There's no emergency room to take them to. This little boy was wrapped up in blankets and on the back of a four-wheeler going to a clinic. And there's no running water to keep everything sanitized. So what do they do? And they pray. And so the grandmother said that they're going to have to send him without his young mother to the hospital in Anchorage. And uh, they asked if I'd go meet, meet him. I said, yes, I will. They said, but they won't only let uh, family members go. I said, well, I'm his grandma. And they said, yes, you are. So she signed my name up as his grandmother, his legal grandmother. So I went and met him. I drove three hours and met him in the hospital. And we, he survived. And uh, what we did, this is our hope is what we want the little kids to know him. And uh, we, this is the vision for uh, Alaska Missions to change a whole culture and to see him penetrate them and uh, give them a chance at uh, abundance, abundant life. And so what we did for that RSV outbreak, I put a Facebook book note up to, to send Amazon uh, vaporizers, nebulizers, and we equipped every household they had one nebulizer in the village for 680 people and uh so we we sent every home a nebulizer so they could battle this stuff so scroll through this i think we're about at the end and then, yeah this is our website alaska missions akmissions.com i'd love we're, we we'd love to begin a partnership with first baptist church of boston new boston and uh, and get your feet in alaska because if you get in feet first you got to jump into missions feet first because if you get, if I get your feet, I get your heart. And if I get your heart, you will go, you will pray, and you will give. 
So, but if you're not, if your heart is not touched by a ministry, you will not make those changes in your own life and make those adjustments to go and, and pray and give. So I'm, what I'm hoping that is that a church has changed. And all our partners, we host about 800 mission volunteers a year in Alaska. Alaska missions. That's a lot of work. I've got to feed them all. I've got to put them in a van. I've got to give them something to do. And uh, I need to find out what they have so I can make sure I use, I milk it all before you go home. Uh, I mean, I'm a dairy cattle girl. I mean, any cow walks by, I'm doing this while it walks by. You know, if I see what you got, I am, I am milking it. And so, uh, so what you have, we need. Uh, and when I invite you in this church to be a partner. And, and also for you to also have transformation in your own life. I think we have some things that you probably need too. And it's, uh, it's how to have freedom from the past. And know what to do with things that plague you from your history. Because that's what our specialty is is helping people get past their past and step into fullness in Christ. Holy ground, we're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is here, and where he is is holy. Holy ground, we're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is here, and where he is is holy. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus. Standing in your presence on holy ground. Amen. Thank you, guys.